1: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charge podcast on their bold breakdowns here on the Guilty as Charged podcast YouTube channel. Uh, you know, click that bell as well. Subscribe, leave a comment down below. Tell me on how you're celebrating the fourth and all that. Uh, but I did want to get into this week in Chargers news and talk about a couple topics that either we just didn't get to on the podcast or we're not recording another podcast until Wednesday. Uh, so you know, maybe these stories could get lost in the shuffle, but I still think they were worth talking about for what it's worth. Uh, and so let's just dive right in. Uh, so the first story that I did want to talk about was one Philip Rivers, who uh, who kind of re-emerged. Uh, a lot of people have been asking him, you know, uh, at various times to kind of comment on Justin Herbert. Obviously, he's been away from the team for two years now uh, since he left the Colts and then retired after the season. Um, and this was from the Crane & Company podcast over at The Daily Wire. Uh, and they got a chance to sit down with Philip Rivers for nine minutes. The whole interview is on their channel if you want to watch it there. But a couple brief quotes uh regarding Justin Herbert that I thought were interesting, right? <laughs> um, Philip Rivers talks about how they nailed the pick and then said, I think it's awesome to say that thankfully I was able to be there for 16 years. Hopefully, he can go another 16. This was in response to uh one of the commentators and one of the podcasters there. Uh, asking him about a Justin Herbert Super Bowl pick. <laughs> so that's obviously, you know, fun to hear that, you know, Philip Rivers says he still roots for the Chargers like crazy uh, and all of that. So he certainly has Justin Herbert's back. And then he did have a funny quote, I thought, on uh, on the Packers and the Browns. Uh, he said that he thought, you know, it's cool to look back at the last 30, 40 years of the Packers and they really only had two identifiable quarterbacks, right? You have Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and then you look at the Browns and you said, and he did say directly, "You don't, you want to avoid a Browns situation where you have 30 guys that you can name over the last 25 years." So I, I thought the Browns catching a straight from Philip Rivers was was pretty funny. Uh, and then of course he, you know, kind of capped it all off with the fact that you know there is a lot of turnover in the NFL. Um, And so it's it's weird to think that Philip Rivers stopped playing in 2019 with the Chargers. I mean, that was his final season Then leaves in 2020 free agency. And the team is already in just two years so different than when he left. Right. Of course, that goes back to the moves that the Chargers have made in free agency. Now, you know, of course, the, the coaching staff is completely different. Um, and so now there's really only a handful of guys, as Philip Rivers says in this interview that are still on the chargers, but of course roots for them. Of course, Keenan Allen is still here. Austin Eckler is still here. Derwin James, I uh, didn't mention Joey Bosa, but Joey Bosa of course has been here since the Sandy, you know, the last San Diego season as well, but it really does make you think about <laughs> all of the change that's been here in the last couple of years. Uh, Michael Davis is obviously still kind of here since those last Philip Rivers years, on the chargers but yeah the the amount of change that does happen in the league in such a short amount of time uh to the point where you probably can name five or six guys that were on the team when philip rivers was here um and of course a lot of that came from this year because as brandon staley talked about in an earlier press conference this offseason right basically half the team is brand new right from jc jackson to cleo Mack to the draft Picks to, to everyone, so I, I thought that that part was pretty interesting as well because I did not think that that many players had changed since the was left. But it really, kind of is almost the whole team uh, in the sense with the amount of turnover in the NFL. Uh, but I thought it was cool to see he's still rooting for Justin Herbert, uh, and, and you know uh, the the idea of a Justin Herbert Super Bowl is obviously really fun to think about. Uh, but the fact that he you know still roots for the Chargers, you know even though he's still on the sidelines coaching football in Alabama. Uh, Really cool to think about, and hopefully one day the Chargers do find a time that works for him to retire 17, uh, because it should absolutely be retired. Uh, All right, the next story that I wanted to go to. by the way, you can go check out the interview and the podcast on another channel. I just don't want to get copyright striked, so I'm not going to play the interview here, uh, but you can go find it. There's clips circulating on Twitter, too, from people like The Rad and and others, uh, so you can go find the clips there. But uh, the next story that I do want to talk about is that the wait continues on Derwin contract watch. So this was from Arjun about two weeks ago Um, after the Micah Fitzpatrick extension dropped. He dropped his Derwin James kind of projection slash, uh, you know, what uh, an extension could look like uh, and talked about a couple numbers. Right. Uh, He projected a five year, ninety four million dollar deal, 18.8. Uh, average annual value, which is a 3% increase over Minka. I believe uh, Minka ended up getting 18.4, 18.5, and then a $23.75 million signing bonus, 49.7 in total guarantees, uh, and a 57.25 million uh, in a three-year stretch of that contract. So I thought it was an, an interesting template, you know, based on how contracts work around the league. And um, Arjun was dead on with J.C. Jackson and a couple other of the Chargers free agents in terms of the money they ended up getting. So I really trust his analysis when it comes to looking at Derwin James and the contract situation. But um, even though this isn't news per se, right? we're not getting an update on Derwin James. I do think it'll be interesting to see as we go into the summer um, before training camp, potentially after training camp and before the season. Uh, There should be real motivation for the Chargers to get a deal done here. We've obviously heard plenty of sources talk about how they're in in talks on a deal. Uh, But with Jesse Bates looming in the distance after this Minka Fitzpatrick extension, it would really help the Chargers if they are proactive. Of course, Derwin James is going to get a similar amount of money either way. (laughs) He's Derwin James. He's a former All-Pro one of the base you know one of the top five safeties in the league when he's healthy. You know, you could argue he's one of the top three safeties in the league when he's healthy. Um, but I, I think for the Chargers to make this move here to show that they're committed to their defensive rebuild, to show that they're committed to their, you know, biggest defensive star arguably other than Joey Bosa, I, I think is would be a huge move for them as a franchise. And you know, this contract seems relatively reasonable. When I was thinking of a Derwin extension, even prior to the Fitzpatrick extension, I just sort of thought based on the number of safeties that would be paid in that time period, that Derwin would probably eclipse 19, eclipse 20. To get him for 18.8 in terms of average annual value, I'm not saying that's not a lot, but considering how the cap is going to increase as well, it's not a ton, right, to pay for four or five years, depending on how that ends up working out. Minka obviously got a four-year deal. Um, It's it's a pretty decent deal for the Chargers if they can get it done in those parameters as well. Obviously, the the injuries are the thing that kind of clouds the Derwin James contract compared to some of the other deals around the league, compared to Minka, compared to what Jesse Bates might get. Um, Obviously, Jamal Adams kind of got injured in Seattle after he got his contract extension. So that didn't really play a lot into it. But but yeah, in in terms of, you know, for for someone who has missed such a large amount of time uh, as Derwin James, uh, Arjun sort of pointed that out as a reason he didn't think Derwin would get to 19 million or 20 million and and why the guarantees might be slightly different in his contract just based on playing time and things like that. Um, So I, I think that that's going to be Interesting to see uh, in this contract negotiation because it, it sort of takes two sides to, to tango, right? It takes two sides to kind of come to a deal. But uh, I, I do think how the NFL and how the Chargers specifically view Derwin James, despite you know the large portions of seasons missed to injury, um, that's that's going to be a big question heading into this uh, contract extension. Personally, uh, I've said it tons of times on give derwin james what he wants give him a stake in the franchise i've seen how this defense plays with derwin i've seen how it plays without and it's just not it's not tangible it is not realistic to expect defensive success without derwin james brandon staley needs him the chargers need him as a team he's a great leader and to me i (laughs) i'm on team give him whatever he wants if it's five years 100 million i'm doing it it's four years 80 i don't care um, but again, this was Arjun's projection of five years, $94 million, which could be, end up being what he gets. Of course, we're still going to wait on that Derwin contract extension. And I do have a strong belief personally that it will happen uh, before the season starts. All right. Uh, the last story that I kind of want to talk about here that I just thought was interesting. Uh, ESPN Insider actually did this article. Uh, let me get the author's name right. Uh, this comes from... Ben Lindsey uh, from ESPN Insider. And this was you know, some good content uh, I just thought to talk about. Uh, and basically what they did here in this little experiment was they used uh, some of the PFF database grades uh, for every you know, projected starter for a team in 2022. We'll get how this kind of can get a little bit murky depending on who you have in those starter roles in a second. Um, but yeah, this kind of uses pro football focus grades um, in addition to, you know, playing time from previous seasons, you know, using a larger sample size on seasons, depending on which ones they want to use on PFF if they have to. But they basically ranked the 32 rosters via uh, PFF grades and, uh, you know, seeing who those starters ended up being. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And for those who are wondering where the Chargers placed in the 32 teams they actually came in at number three uh so the buffalo bills were number one the tampa bay buccaneers were number two i'll read out the top 10 just because i think it's interesting so like i just said number one you have the bills two you have the bucks three the chargers uh four the los angeles rams the defending super bowl champions uh five we have the green bay packers six the cleveland browns seven the philadelphia eagles eight the cincinnati Bengals. Nine, the Kansas City Chiefs, and then of ten, we have the Miami Dolphins with the Tyreek Hill infusion on that roster. So I thought that the Chargers being third—I uh, mean, of course, we, we always talk about off-season Chargers, uh, but this year does feel a little different. I don't remember a year where the Chargers had the third-ranked roster. Of course, I—you know—everyone remembers back in the day when the Chargers were picked as like a, a Super Bowl team or like a sneak playoff team. Right. And and it's been that way for a while. But to say that they have the third best roster in the league or, you know, top three, top five roster um, is not something that was said about previous Chargers teams. I think in the Philip Rivers era in particular, just because have you seen those offensive lines? But also, have you seen those defensive lines? (laughs) Right. They, They were a team that was there have been Chargers teams that were, you know, had great skill position players. Um, but just we're weak in the trenches. And so like, yeah, maybe if a couple things go their way, they could be a fringe playoff team. Maybe they're a fringe Super Bowl pick like back in the day for some people. But, um, you know, they were never a strong trench team. And Brandon Staley has certainly changed that culture, brought in all of his guys on the offensive line. Of course, we'll talk about the offensive line in a second and what the biggest weakness might be. Um, But, you know, certainly the defensive line looks a lot stronger now adding Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, and of course, the biggest strength that ESPN Insider talks about here in Khalil Mack. So again, this is from Ben Lindsay, the biggest strength injuries have slowed Khalil Mack over the past few years, but healthy Mack is still one of the best all-around edge defenders in the NFL. Despite missing more than half of the 2021 season, Mack still ranks third amongst edge defenders in PFF's war metrics since 2019. One of the two players ahead of him is Joey Bosa, whose 22% pass rush win rate in 2016 ranks first. Uh, sorry, since 2016 ranks first among qualifiers at the position. Assuming a 31-year-old Mac comes back somewhere close to full strength, he and Bosa represent the best edge tandem in the league. Um, and we've talked about how valuable of a position edge is on defense. So you know, if Khalil Mac can stay relatively healthy and play at the very least 13 14 12 games uh compared to the seven that he missed last season or i think no he only ended up playing seven games my bad um but if he can you know not miss double-digit games and be a contributor for this team as a starter um you know you're looking at in my opinion the best edge tandem in the league i know you could go to some other places around the league and make arguments for certain teams But, you know, I I think what they are saying here, you know, checks out Joey Bosa, one of the best edge defenders in the league, one of the best pass rushers. Um, I think I don't remember the stat, but I think amongst all defenders on the defensive line in general, he's only behind like Aaron Donald since 2016 in pass rush win rate, which is pretty crazy. Um, And so, yeah, the idea of him and a healthy Mac is certainly, you know, in addition to JC Jackson and other things. What gets you excited about this defense and what gets you to buy in? Uh, and it's just such a huge upgrade from what they had before. Of course, Uchenna Nwosu wasn't bad, right? He was fine. But getting an all-pro player like Khalil Mack when he's healthy is, is insane. You know, Melvin Ingram, also really good Pro Bowl caliber player, you know, during his peak. But obviously, we didn't see that the last couple of years, unfortunately, with the Chargers. Uh, let's go to the next slide here. Unfortunately, for every biggest strength, eh, biggest weakness, right? And so the Chargers have done a very good job of rebuilding their offensive line over the past two seasons. Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, and Corey Lindsley were all top six graded players at their respective positions in 2021. The butt is coming. Just wait for the butt. All in their first season with the team. The right tackle spot is where a lot of uncertainty still remains, though. Storm Norton manned that position last season with a 44.7 PFF pass blocking grade, and he was targeted by Max Crosby and the Raiders in a pivotal Week 18 matchup. None of us remember that game. Trey Pipkins, 68.5 PFF grade in 173 snaps last year, will push him for that job this offseason. So, again, nothing super new here. We've been talking about the right tackle spot nonstop. Um, but see that be the team's biggest weakness. I I think this kind of helped put it in perspective a little bit, right? If you have four spots along with Zion Johnson, obviously who's not mentioned here as the, the rookie right guard. If you have four spots on your offensive line solved and your biggest problem is right tackle. It's not as bad as the previous Chargers offensive lines where all the spots on the offensive line were a problem except maybe one or two. Right, So I I think this kind of does help put the Trey Pipkins-Storm Norton thing into perspective where it's like, yeah, that spot's probably not going to be good this year unless they bring someone in or unless Trey Pipkins takes that next step. But, you know, it's also not as bad as it could be, especially if you are getting an upgrade at right guard and and Zion Johnson kind of comes firing out of the blocks, out of the gate. Uh, So we'll see, you know, how that play pans out, but the fact that they have three all pro caliber players on their offensive line already, uh, in terms of Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, and Corey Lindsley, I think is not, uh, something to, you know, scoff at, especially when we talk about the right tackle conversations, because I do think even on this show, we have a tendency to get negative about the right tackle thing, because of course, Max Crosby is going to be coming at us, um, you know, the Chargers play the Browns and Miles Garrett will be coming to town later in the year. The AFC West is chock full of pass rushers. You look at the Raiders, uh, too, in in terms of the team that they constructed there with Chandler Jones uh, and Max Crosby, right? So it it is easy to get negative about the situation, and it is the Chargers' biggest weakness. But at the same time, you look at the talent that they're putting around that right tackle spot, so it's not quite as bad. You know, uh, I I do think it's something, especially if Trey Pipkins, for example, does get a little bit better— It's something they'll be able to survive, but it is their biggest weakness per this ESPN Insider article, which I think most Chargers fans would agree with. Uh, The X factor. So I thought this was pretty interesting. We did our top 10 most important Chargers rankings, so not necessarily the best players. Uh, Steven and Tyler, I sort of overthought it. I did not put Sebastian Joseph Day in my top 10. Both Steven and Tyler did. Um, And I sort of did that for the perspective of positional value, right? I sort of just went, well, Joey Bosa's an edge. Khalil Mack's an edge, right? Like, they are more important players than Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, But, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day was really brought in to clean up this run defense, right? Uh, He was brought in for one reason, as they say here, to improve a run defense that ranked 27th in the league in expected points allowed, per run player last season. Joseph Day was an unheralded part of the Rams' top three run defense in 2020, uh, ranking, amongst, ranking second among all interior defensive linemen in run stops with 30. Uh, he'll be asked to play a similar role for the Chargers on a defense in need of a run stuffing presence. So, it, again, this who's the most important player on the Chargers kind of depends on how you're asking that question, right? <laughs> like, if, if for those who remember when we did that live stream and did that video, But I think Sebastian Joseph Day and his performance is very important on the defense because um, if they can get even a moderate upgrade over what they have last year and and go from 27th in the league and expected points allowed per run play to 17th, if they can get to the 15th, that is a huge upgrade, right? It it is kind of, I liken it to the special teams last year, right? We talk about how the Chargers were bottom of the league for most of the year in special teams. Probably halfway through the season, they were like 32nd, 31st. Then they bring in Dustin Hopkins, right? Then they made the change and put Andre Roberts in. And for the second half of the season, they were a much better special teams team uh, than they were in the first half with KJ Hill and, and Trista Biscayno. obviously. Um, you know, still had the tie long problem, but for what it was, their special teams in the second half of the season was an upgrade over the first. So I kind of liken this to what you want to see between the 2022 uh, run defense and the 2021 run defense, and that's why Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, obviously are going to be so important uh, in terms of how this team turns it around. But I do think also probably because Sebastian Joseph Day obviously got injured last year, didn't play down the stretch of that Rams playoff run. He'll be look, you know, he'll have something to prove. Uh, in addition to the Chargers having something to prove as a run defense, so. I, I think you could choose a lot of people for X Factor on the Chargers in terms, in terms of who's going to be the most important, who's the biggest upgrade. JC Jackson is another name you could choose, for example. But I think Sebastian Joseph Day is a great choice. Uh, and and Stephen and Tyler have both pointed that out in the past as well. And so this was the final kind of starting lineup, if you will, that they put together with PFF scores or the ones that they calculated that put the Chargers third in the league over, you know, some of these other teams, obviously behind the Bills who are at number one, the Buccaneers who are at number two. Uh, so, you know, you can kind of point to a couple things here. The Trey Pipkin's uh, 54.8 PFF grade is actually because uh, that's his 2021. or something. <laughs> Let me say that in a less confusing way. That is his 2020 PFF grade, not his 2021 PFF grade. So uh, based on sample size and where they got that from, Sion Johnson's PFF grade obviously is from... Uh, his college season, right? So that is not a, a pro transferable thing, but it's what we're able to use for someone like Zion Johnson. Um, Kenneth Murray, I'm not sure where they got his PFF grade from exactly, but I do think they used a larger sample size uh, from 2020 as well. Khalil Mack obviously did, was not healthy for large portions of last year. Uh, so I think they also uh, used a different PFF grade than the 2021 version of Khalil Mack. Um, but, you know, this is what they put together. And for what it's worth, the the most interesting thing to talk about uh, would be this thing over here. Morgan Fox projected as the starter over Jerry Tillery. Now, if you go solely based off PFF grade and what we've seen on Jerry Tillery the last four years, um, you know, that sounds like it makes sense. But I do still believe in my heart, Jerry Tillery, unfortunately. Or fortunately, depending on who you ask, is the starter. Um, Morgan Fox qualifies with a fifty-five point seven PFF grade here. Uh, if you look at Jerry Tillery's PFF grade, it was a forty-five point nine last year. <laughs> um, so Morgan Fox certainly is better. Whether he'll, you know, prove that in training camp is left to be seen. Because to me, I would still pencil in Jerry Tillery for that starting role. Uh, you know, as, as the defensive pass rusher, if you will. Obviously, that can change uh, if Morgan Fox, you know, kind of wins the camp battle uh, or gets a lot of attention from the coaching staff in that way as well. Um, but right now, I would say that's the only mistake I see here. And it's not even a mistake necessarily. Morgan Fox may very well end up starting in that role. But as we do sit here today, that role that role does belong to Jerry Teller. And of course, the right tackle spot is something to watch as well. I do think the job will end up going to Trey Pipkins. I know Steven is not necessarily a Pipkins believer, and I'm not necessarily a Pipkins believer either, but I do think he'll get the job over Norton because of upside. Um, obviously, we'll have to see how that plays out over training camp in the preseason, um, uh, you know, as well as who who's starting week one and, and what kind of success they have, because the Chargers could obviously make some kind of change in season, regardless of who they pick between. Norton and Pipkins, if things aren't going well, and they just they just feel that they need something different, something else to point out here is that Michael Davis, obviously not listed as a starter, we do expect Michael Davis at this point to be uh, second teamer, but you know he's someone that you might want to factor into a PFF grade here, right? I believe he was graded in like the high sixties, you know, low seventies. That's sort of where he's been. Uh, on PFF recently, but, um, obviously they kind of take the starting quarterback trio being JC Asante and and Bryce with, uh, you know, Michael Davis rotating in as sort of your CP four. So, you know, that's kind of a, a couple interesting things that could happen via the, the PFF grade changing and sort of, uh, you know, who ends up starting, uh, depending on how good this lineup could be or slight fluctuations that could push the team down to five on these ESPN rankings, or could have them a little bit higher on these ESPN rankings. So, um, you know, that's going to be interesting to watch going forward. But let me know what you guys think of the Charger Stories of the Week down in the comments below. Uh, Check out the ESPN Insider article if you want to. uh, And uh, yeah, I will see you guys next time. Let me know again uh, what you guys think of all these stories down in the comments below. Uh, Talk to you guys
0: later.